0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
1: Welcome into special edition of Inside Carolina podcast. Tommy, actually, that's not Don Callahan. This is normally the spot for the noon dish. And uh, Don has the afternoon off now that we have some major breaking news from North Carolina. Earlier this morning, Matt Brown announced Gene Chizik out as defensive coordinator. Tim Cross out as defensive line coach. Ted Monachino elevated from analyst to defensive line coach with a national search for the defensive coordinator position that is now open to be conducted. Jason, I'll get you in here. I think what I've heard the most from folks in the short time since this news actually broke is long overdue. Your thoughts on what's happened this morning (laughs) for North Carolina football.
0: Well, first of all, I I do want to emphasize that it's not – i I don't think it's a good thing to take joy in people be people getting fired, especially good men and uh I do think Chiswick and cross are good men uh and you know th- in that respect you know I'm sad to not see it work out <clears throat> sorry uh I'm sad to not see to to see it not work out uh because you want to see good men do well in the profession you want to see people succeed nevertheless uh I also think that this was if anything, a year late. Uh, I mean, you'll remember last year before the season, uh, what 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 it was that I said. If the if the UNC defensive line didn't tear things up before the 2022 season, I said if they don't tear things up in the uh, uh, in that season, you know, given that they've got more experience and the talent is there, then changes needed to be made.
1: absolutely and uh and, and they, they made are... half
0: they made half changes
1: yeah
0: right and you know they tried to kind of band-aid it and i understand why they did that but ultimately they ended up making the change a year later that they probably should have made at that point and you know even the, the if if we look at the timing of the of the gene Chiswick hire uh after after uh jay bateman departed you know there were some questions at the time of whether that was actually the right hire, uh, for what the, what the program needed at this stage. And I think the ultimate, the, the proof was the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And, and I think they could have made a better hire at that time as well. So, I mean, you could take this back two years to that kind of inflection point And, you know, a lot of people kind of know that, that particular parting of, uh, of Bateman leaving and, uh, and re- being replaced with uh, with, with Chiswick and, and that whole thing. And I think I think at this point, you can make the case that the wrong changes were made two years ago. So really, the last couple years, the, the, the things on that side of the ball, the, the, the defensive coaching staff, uh, things could have been stronger and things could have been better. And I think the results would have been better. So that's my initial reaction. And now the hope is that they can find a defensive coordinator that is going to to do what the hope was when Chiswick was hired a couple of years ago. And, and I do think that's a tall order with where things are in the program.
1: It's interesting. And, folks, if you haven't checked it out on Inside Carolina, the the statements and all and, and the releases out, speaking to the good man portion of Jason's uh, talk there and i 100 percent agree i mean that's one thing that we often get caught up with in sports in general is dogging the people that are doing it whether it's players whether it's coaches especially um granted they do get paid a lot of money to to do things but gene chiswick's one of the best football coaches i've shared the sideline with during my 46 years of coaching man of faith worked tirelessly to provide best coaching and mentorship he could to the young men he coached and then he said, goes on to say, we met following the season, and wanted to thank Gene and his family for all they've done, um, but it's time to move forward, basically. And Chizik, of course, goes in and says that he and Matt will remain close friends. Jason, in the coaching profession, everybody knows everybody. Uh, I mean, you're you you know you go all these coaching clinics and everything and everybody knows of each other but then there's certain relationships where guys are are friends and they've worked together or they've been part of the same staffs and gene and mac were like that Um, it's tough when those type deals don't work out but do they ever really work out when everybody's friends and everybody wants it to be perfect and all or do you have to be able to step out of your box as a head coach, especially, and hire guys that are not, maybe not in your tree, in your coaching tree, but maybe can upset the apple cart a little bit and, and, and do something a little differently than maybe you would have? And I guess I'm getting to the point of Gene and Mac were close. How important is that in coaching? How important is it to not have that in coaching? Sort of a long-winded question, but it's, it's to the point of, Greg Barnes said, this doesn't need to be going into the old friend. Well, again, for Mac to hire somebody, just speak to that aspect of the coaching profession,
0: man, that long question has set me up for a notoriously long, uh, answer here. (laughs) Get out that, uh, you go ahead and get out that hourglass. (laughs) Um, because there's a lot here. Uh, there's a lot of meat on that Turkey to kind of debone and, first thing i'll say is coaching is not like uh, is, is unlike a lot of other jobs because you are going to work with a small group of the same people every day day in day out and you're doing it in a in a in a zero sum situation where you win or they win and you know people are keeping score right so there's good and bad about that uh, one thing though is as a rule, you want to work with people that you that you actually can tolerate that you can stomach working with <laughs> right You want to work with people that you're friends with because you're going you know these guys are spending a lot of time together. I mean you're on recruiting trips with these guys you're you're you know essentially sharing hotel rooms you are you know sharing three four guys in a car on a, on a recruiting trip you're all this stuff is and you have to see eye to eye right you have to have got, you have to agree philosophically enough to to be able to sell the same vision to the players and to sell that to coaches that you're that you're uh recruiting their players and families and all of this so in a lot of ways it's a lot easier if you are coaching with guys that you're friends with But then you also have the, you know, sort of old rule of be careful about doing business with family, right? Be careful about doing business with your friends because that can break up friendships and that can complicate business, right? Because what happens when Fredo happens to, you know, get involved and, you know, now you have to, are you going to fire your brother or is your brother going to potentially bring the wrong people in and, you know, have them, you know endanger your own family in your house, right? You, you can't have that. So it as with anything that is, that, that's higher stakes and that, that involves a lot of time and, and people's lives, it's complicated. And I do think that that hiring friends often does work. If those people are really competent, if they buy the same vision, if they're completely bought in, if they're really good at what they do, yeah, it works really well. Just like in any other situation, if your if your friend is a is an A plus player, you hire your friend. And if your your friend is an A minus player, and it's between that and hiring another A minus guy, you you probably hire your friend. Then of course there's the the problem though of you know you don't want to hire Fredo, right? And you also don't want to hire Grandpa, who's maybe been you know he was a good businessman back in the sixties, but you know maybe not not quite on his game. Now, you know, he can't quite turn the, he doesn't know how to, what button push it and, you know, to, to push to turn on the computer and how this internet thing works. You know, you need that at this point. So, you know, having him on as an advisor is good. Having him on as a coordinator, you know, in, in, uh, in this environment, maybe not as good. And I'm not calling Gene Chisick grandpa here. I'm, it's a it, it, I'm mixed metaphor. Uh, <laughs> but what you're trying to do, I mean, you think about this, uh, you get guys that hire higher player, higher guys that they were teammates with before, right? I mean, Will Muschamp is at is at Georgia right now. You think that you know there's no friends on the Georgia staff? Yeah, those guys. There are a bunch of guys that are friends that have been, that have you know come up together for years. Look at all the all the guys who hire within their circle that, and that can be really successful. The problem really comes in not with hiring friends the problems come in with first you have to still hold your friends accountable and that can be difficult you know the, the hard part about being the the authority where you become the head coach and now you hire your friends who before you know you kind of came up together you were teammates before you've always been on the same level and now I'm the boss that relationship does have to change even if you are friends and you still have to say okay look I'm the boss here's how we're going to do this. And we have to handle that pecking order. Sometimes friendships can some friendships can handle that better than others. Some personalities can handle that better than others. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is, and this is where I think one of the biggest difficulties happens for head coaches. And it's why there's usually a life cycle for a head coach in terms of when he can be most successful. And when it gets really hard to sustain, sustain success is, When you're a younger coach, you've got a bigger network of guys that you know from your various assistant coaching situations, from guys you played with, from, you know, all sorts of things. And they're all at the position coach and coordinator level, just like you. And you know all those guys. And you know which guys are competent, which guys are, you know, you've got your list of like, if I ever get a job, I'm hiring this guy, this guy, and this guy, because they're really good at what they do. And, you know, I respect them, and I think they're really smart. And so when you put together that first staff... Those are all A players, because you're putting together the best people you can. And then what happens? You have success. And what happens with teams that have success? Those coaches get hired elsewhere for upgrades. Those position coaches get hired to be coordinators elsewhere. And, and where do you replace those guys from? Well, ideally, you replace them from other guys that are in your network that you've met and that you've worked with in some way, or sh- way shape, or form. But the older you get and the longer you've been a head coach, the smaller that network gets in terms of people that you actually know that you've had experience with, that you've really had a chance to to work with and see operate. And now you're operating off of recommendations from other people. And you can't necessarily just go to people within your network for those recommendations because your network is thinning out as your people now five guys that you coached with before are head coaches and their network is your network. So now when you're hiring within your network, you're fighting for the best people. And maybe, you know, within your network, you're now down to the b minus b- players that you can, you can hire. That's when you have to go out and find other people and say, okay, look, I got to find another, a player here. I got to find somebody who's competent who can do this who can be who can be fresh eyes who comes from a different tree but still can buy the the vision of how we're going to run our program but anybody out there who's done any hiring in the past who's been a boss somewhere hiring's hard right finding personnel who actually are good at their job who fit personality wise who will buy into the vision of the organization and who are an actual A player how often does that happen where you hire somebody like that into your company? And those people get hired away really quickly. If they don't move up right away in your company, if they're not coordinator level type people right away, you know, so that's where this gets difficult. And that's one of the reasons why if you have a B plus guy or a B guy on your staff, who's a long-term position coach, maybe you don't fire that guy. He's a B, you know, he's a B, a B player, but, Am I going to be able to replace him with an A player who's not just going to be a coordinator next year? That gets really hard for coaches really quickly. And the older the coach, the more that becomes a factor. And the more successful the coach, the more that becomes a factor. And, you know, not everybody can be Nick Saban, where, you know, you have Saban's, uh, you know, you had uh, what, what, uh, the fired coaches uh, association or whatever that uh, Gruden, you know, comically did. Uh, and then Saban decided to riff off of that, I guess, with the re- coaching rehab yeah, I was going to say organization, Saban's right? rehab, yeah. Yeah, it's Saban, Nick Saban, his approach, because what happened is all of Saban's guys got hired. I mean, you look at the LSU staff from 2003, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You have Jimbo Fisher, Will Muschamp, you, you know, you've got, uh, 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 I can't remember everybody else, but you got like eight guys on that staff that wound up head coaches and successful head coaches. And you go like, oh my gosh. Well, that was great, but then he had to replace those guys. And ultimately Saban's strategy, once he ran out of network, was to expand his network by saying, yeah, well, you know what? I'll just get guys who've, you know, failed, failed at another spot, but worked their way there. And then they can come here, kind of tail between their legs, go through Saban rehab, and we'll still have some of the best and brightest who've not had their most success recently and give them a chance that was his spot that was his that's that's where he carved out a new way to reinvent himself to extend his window as a successful coach uh, as a successful dominant head coach but only really one guy can do that at a time and look what happened once kirby smart left and took half of saban's network with him and took that to georgia saban hasn't won a title in the three years for the first time at at Alabama, right? Because Saban, now his network has been expanded. So that's a long answer to say, this is complicated in terms of finding and hiring the best people. And it's not as simple as don't hire your friends. I think that's stupid. I think it's stupid to say, don't hire your friends. You wanna hire people who are going to become your friends Mm -hmm. on your staff. And you hope that those people are gonna be so good that they can be successful and be your friends. And you hope that if they go somewhere else and they move up, that their network becomes part of your network so that their position coaches could become some of your coordinators and vice versa and all of that. That's what you're trying to do. And that's why coaching is not a, even though the results on the field are a zero-sum game, coaching is not a zero-sum game. You never want to burn bridges in this industry. You never want to... You know, humiliate somebody else or, or get into feuds about this because you may need that person for a job at some point in the future. So, very complicated in all of these relational aspects. But the one thing that's not complicated is results on the field. And that's ultimately why these decisions had to be made.
1: Yeah. I'm Carolina, of course, has won eight and nine ballgames the last couple of years, but the defense has been um, borderline atrocious and a lot of. A lot of question marks on the side of the ball, let's say that. Now, let me ask you this, Jason. And of course, we're talking with Jason Staples here at inside Carolina. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity, which are sponsors of this show. I need everybody to go check out those websites. I also need everybody to like this podcast on YouTube, it helps us out. Shout out to the 500-plus folks that have joined us here on Noon, the Noon Dish, a special edition, a preemptive edition
0: speaking of helping getting help with you know hr type stuff right and, and hiring and all yeah, of that really. that's
1: congruity's thing right yeah really congruity they manage the payroll and the hr while you handle your business so maybe they need to be hired in chapel hill let me ask you jason speaking of hiring uh north carolina announced ted Monacino will be the new defensive line coach we talked about that uh, charlton warren um, specifically named in the release is staying but a national search for defensive coordinator Now, we can get into the names and possibilities at some point. But my question to you is, how many defensive coordinators that you know, unless it's already done deal, like to come into a situation where they can't hire their guys? Because my thought here in this, when we were talking about Carolina over the last several weeks, is Mac needs to hire a defensive coordinator and get, get out of the room. And let them do whatever's necessary. That's not going to be the case here. It hasn't been the case the first couple times this has happened with Carolina. Um, so you've got a situation where a defensive coordinators coming in, whoever they may that, whoever that may be, with guys that'll work under him already on
0: staff. I think I know your thoughts on that, but what are they? Yeah, you do know my thoughts because <laughs> uh, we've <laughs> talked about this plenty off air, and you know I, I was pretty adamant that if I were a defensive coordinator, I'd want to come in and have a strong say on who stays and who doesn't on the staff. Cause so if you're a head coach, you have to have people who buy into the vision for the program that you're setting. And that's from the strength coach to the coordinators, to the, you know, from the coordinators through the position coaches, but basically the head coach is going to manage the strength coach and the, and the coordinators, and then they are going to deliver that message and you know delegate down the chain and work, for, work towards getting that larger vision of the program put forward. The defensive coordinator ha- has to have synergy in that room to run the vision on the defensive side of the ball. And that was a big problem. You know this. I know this. At this point, it's no secret that when Jay Bateman was in in Chapel Hill, one of the big problems they had on defense was that that defensive uh, meeting room, that defensive coaching staff was not all on one page. You had multiple. That's right. You had Bateman was wanting to do his specific thing and you had multiple defensive coaches, position coaches who were doing their own thing, who really didn't respect what Bateman wanted to do they disagreed kind of with the approach and kind of his uh, uh, his particular vision and they just coached their own way they did their own thing and then that led to players not being fully bought in either and that results in a chaotic situation where you just don't have a clear you know a clear a, a clear building you've got you know fractured fractured things going on and that that was seen on the field. So, and this is one of those things. If I were being hired to be the defensive coordinator at North Carolina, if I was potentially offered this position, if I was interviewed, I know how this, how this industry works. I know how these, how these guys talk. You know what I would do? First thing I would do after I hung up and found out that I, you know, maybe my agent let me know that I was a, I was a candidate that I might, I might be, uh, somebody that, that Carolina would want to hire, I'd pick up the phone and I'd call Jay Bateman.
1: That'd be an interesting conversation.
0: And I'd say, okay, Jay, you were there. What do I need to know? Should I take this job? Or is this career suicide? Is this going to set me back five years? Or is this going to put, put me in position to potentially be a, high, a head coach? Because if I'm taking a, the the defensive coordinator position at North Carolina, I'm doing that with the hope that that could potentially put me in position to be a head coach down the line, right? This is not a, this is not a position that you take just to be a lifer defensive coordinator. If you're a, if you're a really good defensive coordinator, you take that with the hope that you can move up. And if you take it and then you flame out and you fail, that can put you years behind, right? I mean, Jay has had to restart, right? He didn't do as well at Carolina as the hope. Wound up having to be a position coach. Now he's going to be a defensive coordinator again. And if he does really well as a defensive coordinator at Texas A and M, he's going to be in position to be a head coach. But I'm calling Jay and I'm saying, "Hey, what do I need to know? where Where are the thing wh- Where are the minds on this field that I need to be aware not to step on? What do I need to know going into this? And should I take this job? And I, I'm pretty sure I know what Jay Bateman would tell me. He'd tell me you need to you need to have you need to have uh, veto power on the staff on the defensive side. And I think he'd want one or two changes made. So in fact, I know there there's one change that he would want made. (laughs) I know for a fact that there's one, one change that he would want made. Um, But you know, not every coach is going to do that. uh, But I think a lot of them will. And I think other coaches might call Gene and, uh, and, and do the same. Uh, I would want to talk to Jay I'd want to talk to Gene honestly and then I'd want to know that and I'd negotiate that in I'd say okay look I'm willing to come in and, and and initially get a feel for who's on staff right now but at the end of spring if I need to make a change I need to be able to make a change it's an
1: interesting thought and we're talking with Jason Staples on inside Carolina's special live reaction to the news Gene Chiswick, Tim cross out Ted Monachino in National Search for Defensive Coordinator, is ongoing. Jason, let me ask you this. As, as far as the defensive line side, I think last spring, or whenever Monachino was actually hired as an analyst, we thought that was a great thing. And, and yeah, he's, he's a good coach. Yeah, and I've said this over the course of the year, um, whether it be on this show or, or elsewhere, is just install him as defensive line coach, and you maybe you cure a lot of those things. Sort of speak to that dynamic, Um, Monachino coming in being an analyst, now it's going to be the defensive line coach. You've been pretty vocal about defensive line over the past – it's been longer than two years. Over the past four or five years. (laughs) It's been five years at least. What what – I think the word accountability comes to mind the most with um, these discussions we've had about this football program in the last five years, and it goes beyond that, to be frank. But – accountability and you get what you allow how does hiring a guy like Ted Monachino who has coached some of the best of the best in the NFL and now he's on your staff at North Carolina last time he was in college I believe 2005 so that'll be an interesting dynamic with him and recruiting but how does this sort of improve North Carolina's standing on the defensive line to you Um, and look I've got somebody else coming in the chat and he's going to come in and listen to you answer this. And then I'll get his opinions. El jefe is joining room. Ooh, I want to hear yeah. what he says. Yeah. So, 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 so talk, uh, you know, talk I, about Monacino,
0: Jason. There's a little bit of a TBD here with, with, with Monacino in terms of him on this staff. Uh, I think the, the results of, uh, of his career suggest that he's uh, he's able to produce some quality pass rush if nothing else uh, the concern that I have is that until some of the accountability from up above the the defensive line coach uh position is addressed and 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 uh, made you know improved that we're not going to see as much improvement as as what we would hope in that regard uh, but I do think Monachino's emphasis on uh when when i was at the spring coaching clinic he talked a lot about this and talked about the the as an analyst how when he was a position coach his real emphasis was on being aggressive into the body of the offensive line and making sure that that you're not just catching blocks and really uh trying to reestablish the line of scrimmage on the other side of the line of scrimmage all of that well i mean for those of you listening to this that's probably red meat Right, I mean that's red meat to the ti- thrown to the tigers. There, I mean that's exactly what everybody wants to hear, uh, and I did think some of the drills that that were clearly brought in by him uh, during the uh, during during the spring and, and fall camp were were good. Uh, so those are all things that I would expect, hopefully to to continue to improve in that respect. But again, I want to see. I think certain larger picture practice things and all of that are going to need to improve beyond just the uh, the defensive line position to continue to get the mentality to change defense wide, starting up front. Uh, and that's going to have to come from the coordinator, and that's going to have to come from from Mac Brown himself.
1: Oh yes, the culture question. Coming in there on the defensive side of the ball. And like I said before I ask you that question or finish that question, Buck Sanders has joined us. Buck, I love your uh thought, your comment and chat. Just when you thought you were out, there is no that's, getting that's, away from us.
0: It's like the fourth Godfather reference in this uh in this in this show so far.
1: There's Settle no the getting. bingo card. Yeah, get
0: it on the bingo card. Pull that microphone
1: up close to your face and spit some knowledge for this crowd. Um, we've been around a long time, Buck. Um a lot of people think it doesn't matter until you change to the top. But your thoughts here on the uh, the the changes that have been announced today, and also shout out to the six hundred plus. Buck joins it and it immediately jumps fifty people. So shout out to Buck's friends and family that joined us as well. Get in here, Sanders.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you, Tommy, uh, for that uh, encouraging comment there my bat signal wasn't working quite as good as Jason's was. Um, or I'd have been in earlier. Um, I don't see so far anything that is should surprise or shock anybody. Right. Uh, didn't, uh, I think probably the last person to be in on the idea that, uh, Chiswick and Cross were gone was maybe Mac Brown. So, um, once he got the memo it just went from there Monacino, i think I think is a good uh, um fit there he, he he already knows the players he's already been around the players he's got a way big head start on um uh, you know the forest spring practice goes a lot of times when you hire new coaches they spend a good amount of their time just learning the players' names, and uh, he's already got that down. So he can hit the ground running. Of course, um, you know, the two things that I was able to catch uh, that I agree with is uh, you you would like to see a a DC brought in and let him uh, pick his own staff, right? Uh, And that's not going to happen here. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but the, the bottom line is going to be Montecino or, uh, Chiswick or cross or Warren or whoever else, uh, the defensive coordinator is going to be the one that, uh, makes the calls on the field. And he's going to be the one who, um, the personality is going to, uh, the, personality of that coach is who the defense is going to mirror Um, the head the head coach is often said you know the team adopts uh, the personality of the head coach well in in the case of Mac Brown he doesn't really uh, mandate what goes on in terms of scream he just uh, picks a guy out he wants to run the kind of scheme he wants to have run and then they're left to run the ball from there. So uh, it's gonna the big piece of this is going to be who's going to be the defensive coordinator, um, and what sort of what style they have of uh, defense. And there's a lot of them out there now. So uh, I, I guess I brought the bots back with me. And, yes, uh, I was
1: gonna I was gonna say uh, you know the North Carolina General Assembly bans porn sites. So the bots have come back to Inside Carolina to protest during our live YouTube channel. <laughs> I handle them for now, though. But y- right. your thoughts, you know, when you talk about style of defense and all that, um, I've, I've seen a lot of people, you know, everybody's been talking they want Chiswick gone, they want Cross gone, they want Chiswick gone, they want Cross gone. And now that they're gone, they're saying, well, that, what's that going to do? What's that going to change? So I ask you, <laughs> I ask you, I mean, what does this change? It certainly signals to me that that shortcomings were acknowledged when there have been plenty of times where it sort of, sort of felt like shortcomings weren't being acknowledged. They were known, but they weren't being acknowledged. Um, as far as your mindset watching this program, I saw Bud Elliott had a tweet, which was an interesting tweet. I can't find it right at the moment. It said, non-serious program. But your thoughts here on the – the fact that this has actually been done as far as the program moving forward, rekindling some of the excitement that was lost over the last month. Um, your thoughts in that regard?
2: Well, uh, the, the whole idea, we knew we knew coming in who Gene Chiswick was, right? I mean, he, he didn't come in as a blank slate. Um, we, we knew what kind of defense he liked to run. Uh, there was no secret about it. He's, he's a uh, bend, don't break kind of guy uh, who doesn't like to uh, get too aggressive. He wants to keep the ball in front of him. Um, that type of defense, we saw it in 2015. We saw it in 2016. And we had no reason to suspect he would do anything differently. Um, the thing that has surprised me is that in this day and age, that defense is just a dinosaur that is, is just not going to get the job done. It doesn't matter who's running it. If you're going to play that sort of um, laid-back type of defense that it plays that style of attack, then you know get ready to give up 400 yards a game plus. You know, uh, get ready to, you know, be on the field a long time. Be, on the, on, be prepared that your guys are going to get lots of snaps and be very worn out at the end of the season or in the middle of it. Um, so those kinds of things uh, we, we knew, and uh, but the extent of how dated that system is And the uh, inability for it to work, even when everything was going the way you would want for it to go in that defense. Um, You know, it would be interesting to see if the next guy comes in with an established M.O. and what that M.O. is. Because if we get the same M.O., then I agree with the the guys that you're talking to um, that or the, the people you're talking about as far as, well, what does that change? That doesn't mean anything. Um, that's not going to change a thing. You, you're going to have to look at who is coming in and what is their style of defense, and what is the prognosis for that style of defense heading into um, 2024, which is the age we live in, not you know 1994. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where I'd leave.
0: I'm, I want to, before, before you even say anything else, Tommy, I know you wanted to ask a question built on, based on that, but one thing I want to uh, highlight and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did see something the other day that goes to exactly what you're talking about here, Buck. And that is, uh, was looking at the off target rates of quarterbacks in terms of throwing from like two decades ago versus now. And, one of the reasons that you could take the approach two decades ago of, well, off the offense is just going to make a mistake is quarterbacks would miss a lot more throws. The, the off target rate was like 10% higher for quarterbacks 10 years ago than, or uh, 20 years ago than it was, than it is now quarterbacks just don't miss as many throws on that stuff. If you give them easy stuff, if you play soft, then they're just going to take the free stuff, and they don't miss as much as they used to, and uh, and part of that's because you're not allowed to hit them as much, but
2: a lot of it is the seven on sevens, right? The the development of seven on seven football, and you know you got guys throwing the football in the summertime, like hundred times a day, you know, and you know, twenty years ago as Jason was referencing you saw a completion percentage average of over 55%, you went, hmm, you know, that's pretty good. Today, if you're not hitting over 65%, you may not see, see the field, you know, because the uh, the way the offenses are designed and, and plus the, I think, the education and tutorials and instruction that quarterbacks are getting during the summer and wide receivers anybody that catches the ball they spend all summer throwing the ball and catching the ball and when yeah. they get the when they get to to college uh, they're, they're already way ahead of you know guys that came in 10 20 years ago so yeah yeah
0: I mean and 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 just i'm, I'm looking right now at the numbers in terms of accuracy rate in, uh, on on the season. So this is excluding spiked balls, excluding balls thrown away. Is the ball on target? Right? So you're excluding drops, excluding balls thrown away, excluding spikes. Does the quarterback put the ball on target so that it should be caught? Bo Nix this year, 92.8% accuracy rate. I mean, that's free throws. Now his off-target, or his, uh, his average yards per attempt was 6.7, which is, you know, really low. He was throwing a lot of balls around the line of scrimmage. But Shadir Sanders, 92.1%. Carson Beck, 91.6%. Right? I mean, go, uh, getting into into the ACC, Cade Klubnik 90.8%. Jack Plummer, 90.5%. So if you're giving these guys, you know, opportunities to make unharried throws, to you know on on the short side and, and these sorts of things they're just going to keep hitting it it's the running game now and teams that are playing with more wide receivers on the field that makes it tr- that makes it difficult and that's why you're seeing uh you know schemes like what you're seeing from tony gibson at north carolina state or what you're seeing from hecock at, at iowa state and uh in different places like that trying to seize back the initiative because you cannot let the offense dictate to you in in this day and age you have to take the, the chalk back and dictate to the offense and that's going to mean giving up a play once in a while but you, you can't just expect that they're going to make mistakes
2: and it's changed quickly right i mean yeah in 2015 that type of defense worked to some extent now what Once it got to a certain level of football, it didn't work quite as well, but it was good enough to win 11 regular season games, no matter how you look at the schedule. And um, so, you know, just from 2015 to basically 10 years later, we have seen such a dramatic change. And if you're you're waiting for that offense to beat yourself, you could be waiting for a long time Um, because the guys now have that um, ability as Jason's talking about to put the ball where it needs to go and and in space and so uh, it, just sitting back and waiting waiting for the offense to make a mistake is just a concept that uh, you know outgrew it uh, you know its usefulness so um, that's going to depend on the, the the defensive coordinator is the bottom line I mean what is his style of play and can we identify
1: it? I uh, this has been a day. And <laughs> you know, First of all, I'm trying to get my exercise this morning. I get a text and say I need to do get on the podcast. Come on, Mac. We need an off season. Let me let me talk about Johnny <laughs> so, T shirt. So, so are you
0: are you now old enough now that you're uh now that you're now that you're retired from your from your other job, are you now old enough where you get exercise instead of working out?
1: Yeah, I get exercise. I'll go walk around the neighborhood. Speak to all the old people walking their dogs and stuff, and then realize I'm one of them. Uh, (laughs) Let me talk about Johnny T shirt and JohnnyT shirt.com, sponsors of this podcast and great friends. And, you know, we got a lot of Johnny T shirt gear for Christmas, and hopefully uh, we at Inside Carolina are supporting them as much as possible. We saw this week that Linda's, a a fixture on Franklin Street, is closing um, because of crazy rent and lack of. Uh, business, I guess, but Johnny T-shirt will not be that person, that business, because of the Inside Carolina fan base supporting them. They support us, get 10% off. Also, Congruity HR, Jason mentioned earlier, how convenient and relevant is it that we have a sponsor that handles HR? Given that we're talking about firings and hirings at North Carolina, CongruityHR.com, front-size Tar Heels, get your free assessment for your small or mid sized business, customer service, technology, all that good stuff.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Final thoughts here. It is uh, 681 people. My goal is to get past 700 on the noon hour, and I'm going to do it by asking the question. (laughs) I'll let Jason go first, and then, Buck, you can close us out. Jason, obviously the old style doesn't work anymore, Um, and it was proven well. You talked about that two years ago. I guess two years ago, probably right here on this show. What does North Carolina need from a defensive coordinator? We can talk about names or whatever, but just the style of play. Greg Barnes mentioned young and aggressive. I can be old and aggressive, but what does Carolina need as far as style that they need to bring in to get this team and add this in, can the – the personnel that's on the field or in the locker room make that shift to be more aggressive after they haven't been the last couple of years?
0: Well, they could have two years ago. The personnel was on the roster at that point. Um, I'm less sure that the personnel is on the roster at this point uh, uh, to be able to make that shift as easily. Um, the good thing is that I think there's some cornerback talent on the roster still, as long as Huzzy's still on the roster and, and, you know, you've got Caleb Cost uh, showed some, some promise at the slot corner. So there's some, th- there are some players, but yeah, I've got, I've got concerns there. Um, the biggest thing to me is they need to hire somebody who can change the, who, who changes the room when he walks in and immediately gets the buy-in from these players to change the mentality on that defensive side. And someone with the gravitas to be able to say to Mac Brown, where Mac Brown, Mac likes to delegate here, right? Mac doesn't want to have to be involved on the defensive side this way. Somebody who has the gravitas to, to say to Mac Brown, I got this. Let me handle my side of the ball and who walks into the, into the, uh, who can walk into the defensive meeting room that first day and have those guys understanding that the way that they've played up to now is not acceptable and that they're going to have to play a more physical brand of defense than has been seen in Chapel Hill in a long, long time. It's going to have to be somebody who can walk in with the, with the assistance and carry enough, again, enough gravitas to say, you're going to do it my way. I'm going to look at everything you're doing. I'm going to evaluate every single thing we're doing as a staff, and you're going to do it my way. And we're going to be physical, and we're going to be, uh, we're we're gonna be a, t- a defense that dictates and a defense that puts pressure on teams. And if you don't, if you can't find that, then we're going to be rinse and repeat. And the next time, it's not going to be the defensive coordinator. It's going to be the head coach that's going to step down, because this change needs to work. Mac Brown needs to hit needs this one to be at least a stand up double if not a triple of a higher. And so he's going to have to get somebody who walks in and can carry that respect, has that gravitas and is going to demand and be able to get the the transition and physicality that he needs to get from that defense.
1: I think your point about accountability and demanding that and then having the backing to enforce that is tremendous here, because you see players tweeting, um, you know how they feel about the changes and all that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. They need to I have. Some, seen
0: any of those tweets yet, but Lord knows what the players are thinking.
1: Was one of your favorites? Uh, go I'll send it. Yeah, to of you. course. Um, but Buck, close yep. us out here. You've got a situation where Carolina, to Jason's point, Max got a hit here. So how do we hit, but how how does how do how do we as inside Carolina how do we hit it talking about this next offensive co- or defensive coordinator as a home run hire? What does Mac have to do to ensure that we're talking about that?
2: Well, you know the resume has to be there, right? I mean that's given. You know you you have to bring in somebody with a resume that has you know some indication that he can succeed at this level and. I think part of it that we worry about is should not be a problem. And what I'm talking about there is buy-in. Um, now, maybe the, the defensive players at North Carolina the last three years have looked at their results on the season and, and said to themselves, oh, we're damn good. You know, we're, we're fine. We're doing everything right we don't understand why people are picking on us uh it, if if you've got people like that in in your room then they need to get weeded out if if they can't tell that what they have been doing has not been working then they, they don't need to be on the field they need to be able to recognize and they should have no problem recognized look here's the stats over the last three years they have not been pretty Um, it's nothing that anyone should be proud of, um, from on the defensive stat sheet, there's been improvements here and there, but no, I mean, you you look at what Mike Elko did at Duke, he gets hired, he comes in immediately, the defense is better immediately. The whole team is better.
0: That whole team got more physical when he arrived.
2: Right. So, I mean, this is not like. Oh, I need three, four years to, you know, get this college football. Can't wait three and four years anymore for somebody to come around and put their program in place that they, they need to get results and they need to get them right away. Um, and so there needs to be something on that resume, uh, when the defensive coordinator is hired that, uh, even a dummy like me can look at and say, uh, yeah, this guy's got a chance. He's got a chance. I, I see that he's done things that, um, you know, have succeeded in the past. It, when Phil Longo got hired as offensive coordinator, I, I really didn't know him from Adam's house cat. I mean, uh, he he was, uh, you know, in uh, FCS up until like two years before North Carolina hired him. So – What did I do? I went to YouTube and I started looking and I looked and I looked and there was stuff there and there was more to look and you could see and you could tell, um, what sort of offense it was going to be. And I said, okay, this could work. And it's got to be that kind of feeling that I think if, if, um, what we're trying to, if what North Carolina's trying to do, what Mac Brown's trying to do is to drag us all back in, then. That name has to give us that same sort of feeling, that same sort of uh, confidence, uh, that they can get the job done on that side. of The ball, we'll see. It, I mean, and, and
0: it—I it, mean, honestly, it needs to be. I mean, my, my 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 initial thought is it needs to be the kind of hire that you could imagine being a head coach in two three years.
2: There you go. Yeah, I agree. Um, so. Uh, I think that may be the end of the uh, coaching changes. At least the way the announcement went down. I mean, he went to the trouble of um, just uh, making it clear who was staying. You know, Warren was staying, and uh, you know, and I guess he did that because Warren and Chiswick sort of joined at the hip there uh, for in, in several locations. But you know, it's it's encouraging. We we thought. Uh, that this was going to be the the outcome that we're and, – and you had to do it. I mean, I don't know how you could have gone into 2024 with Chiswick uh, as a defensive coordinator and Cross as a defensive line coach and uh, sell that to the, to the fan base, particularly not this fan base. Um, so – We'll just have to see about this next hire, and does that big piece fit in with all the other pieces around him? I think Monichino's a solid hire, um, and we'll just see where this D.C. hire goes from here.
1: Indeed, indeed. Inside Carolina will be all over it. Stay tuned there. If you're a premium subscriber, make sure you're signed up for your text messages um, everybody got a text saying what was going on today. It's normally a recruiting thing, but it's also a breaking news thing. So sign up for your text alerts if you're a premium subscriber. If you're not, go get a premium subscription inside Carolina. Use some of that Christmas money. Uh, Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, myself will be here. We'll be back, I'm sure, with another emergency podcast to announce, uh, to discuss a defensive coordinator hire. Could be quick, could be a while. We'll see what happens, but I tell you what, Inside Carolina, led by the president, Buck Sanders, will be all over it. And, of course, Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity as well. Jason Buck, as always. Appreciate it, my friends. Later.